Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to worship you. We thank you for your presence that's in this place. And we thank you for the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives and abides within each and every one of us today. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for giving us fresh wisdom and revelation. Lord, I believe as we hear this word today, we're going to apply it and experience your blessing in our life today. So we're all ears. Our heart is open wide. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do here in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everyone. You glad you're here today? Pastor Jonathan, thank you for allowing me to make a contribution in this series. Uh, We are talking about the price of being a disciple. What does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? And I have the opportunity to to put a piece in there. We're going to focus on the heart of a servant. What does it mean to possess the heart of a servant? A disciple is one who has a servant's heart. And so we'll begin with our takeaway this morning. A servant's heart is a choice you make and a posture you take in all of the relationships God brings into your life. The motto of a disciple, say it with me, above all else, I am a servant. That's the motto of a disciple. And so we're going to take a look at this whole issue of being a servant that carries the heart of God. I'm going to use a simple illustration. It's called the towel. The night that uh, Jesus was going to be betrayed, he sat down with his disciples and he had a meal with them. And then after the meal, he girded himself with a towel and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And we pick up the story here in John chapter 13, beginning with verse 3. John writes, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he, had con- had, that he came from God and was going to God, rose from the supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and wrapped himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was wrapped. We pick it up here in verse 12. It says, so when he had washed their feet and put on his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me your teacher and Lord. You speak accurately for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do these things. There's a blessing in living a life of service. There is a blessing in girding yourself with a towel of service, with all of the relationships that God has given in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. God wants you to make the decision to become a servant to all of those in your life, to take the posture like Jesus did as he girded himself with that towel 
and to wash each of the 12 disciples' feet. It was probably one of the most menial examples of a task, to wash dirty feet. P-U, somebody, right? We're called to gird ourselves with a towel and take upon ourselves the attitude of a servant in all of our relationships. Husbands, God calls you to serve the needs of your wife. Wives, God calls you to meet the needs of your husbands. Parents, listen, God's called you as stewards over his heritage to meet the needs of your children through every season of life, to raise them up, to nurture them, to love them, to affirm them, to prepare them for each season of life, to help them take responsibility for their life, to prepare them for a season of launch where they can be successful Young adults who respect authority, who relate well with their peers, and most importantly, they have an undying love and passion for Jesus Christ. Amen. God's called us to gird ourselves with an attitude of a servant to minister to our church. God placed graces and gifts in your life so that they could be spent on the church. God puts something on the inside of you, not just so you can pat yourself on the shoulder and say, wow, I'm God's anointed man of faith and power, right? No, he put those graces and gifts on the inside of you to be spent on someone else. God's called you to put that towel around you and serve your community, to be a servant to everyone you come in contact with, your peers, your employer, your employees people that you come in contact with throughout the week in your community. God wants you to serve the needs that you find present in your life. You know, just prior to this meal, the disciples were, you know, Jesus was talking about the coming kingdom at the close of his ministry, and they started thinking about, oh, I'd like to have the best seat in the house when Jesus sets up his kingdom. I want to be sitting to his left or sitting to his right. And And one of the disciples' mothers came to Jesus, the mother of James and John, and she put in a special request to the Lord. He said, grant that my sons would sit on your right and sit on your left. And while she said that, the other 10 disciples got pretty ticked off. Obviously, they all had a different mindset, a different attitude when it came to the kingdom of God. And Jesus took that moment. You know, Jesus always knows what's in our hearts. And here in Matthew chapter 20, he takes the, this is a coachable moment where Jesus addresses the issue, the heart of his disciples. And he says here in Matthew 20, verse 25, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are quote unquote great exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you, let him serve you. And whoever would be first among you, let him be your slave. Verse 28, even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We have Jesus, our Jesus, the one who died for you and I. Give the most clear example to us. This is his expectation of us. This is what he calls us into. This is the lifestyle that he wants each and every disciple to adopt, to become a servant, to take this towel as it relates to all of your relationships and wrap yourself to serve the needs of someone else. 
Again, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, he said, he who is greatest among you shall be what? Your servant. For he who would exalt himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself as a servant will be exalted. The defining quality of a servant's heart can be summed up in one word. And I want to expound on that this morning. It's the word humility. Everybody say that word. Humility. It really is the defining quality of Jesus' heart. It's also the defining quality of the servant's heart that God wants each and every disciple to possess. And I want to touch on three aspects to that word humility. What does that mean? How do we... uh, How do we define humility? What does it look like? There's three aspects of this word humility that really defines your relationship to God and your relationship to others. It's how this is how you really adopt a servant's heart. So let's take a look at humility and what is it all about? The first act, uh, the first aspect, excuse me, aspect, everybody say aspect, help the preacher preach here. You get up here and preach this, okay? Number one aspect of of humility is this. Accept what God says about you. Accept what His Word says about you. Learn to submit and realize what God has written in His Word in the New Testament pertains to your life. God has revealed your identity and your destiny. And if you accept what God says about you... You will be secure in who you are, your identity, and you will be secure in God's plan, knowing what God's plan is for your life and for your family. So the first aspect of humility means you have to accept what God says about you. You got to know who you are in Christ. When you do, you become a secure person. You become a person who has good self-esteem. Amen that you think well of yourself, you uh, respect yourself, you don't make just any decisions, you make decisions that honor yourself. Amen? And so how do we get to that place where we accept what God says about us? We have to have a personal devotion life. We have to have a time every day where Jesus washes our feet. Do you allow your Lord to minister to you every day? Do you allow Jesus to gird himself and serve you and to wash your feet? While Jesus was washing the 12 disciples' feet, there was one. His name was Peter. When he came to Peter, he objected. He said, Lord, no, 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 no. You're the Christ. You're, I mean, you, you cast out devils. You walk on water. He had the, the image of Jesus, that how great and how awesome he was. And Jesus said, Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you have nothing to do with me. Those are strong words. Jesus made it very clear to the disciples that he wanted wanted them to follow his example. But in order for us to be a servant to many, we have to accept what God says about us. We need to have a place in our life where God is continually affirming us building us up, comforting us. Amen. Every day we need affirmation from the presence and the Spirit of God. So that number one thing is very secure. You know, secure people make the best servants because they're in a place where they can constantly give of themselves. 
They don't need to take from anybody because they're taking from Jesus. They're receiving that strength, that affirmation, that encouragement, that reminder from the scriptures about who he is or who she is and what they possess. And so they're secure. They have a strong, high self-esteem. And so it's no problem for them, no matter what kind of relationship that they have, they're constantly pouring. They're constantly giving. They're constantly encouraging. They're constantly uplifting. They have a heart of a servant. Amen. A second aspect of humility that defines your relationship with God and others is this. Humility esteems and prefers others above themselves. This is the attitude we should adopt in all of our relationships. When you uh, uh, approach the mindset in your relationships that everybody around you is better than you. My wife, Cheryl, is my better half. Guys, it would be good for you to talk that way. You married in over your head. Your wife is a, your better half. Now, that doesn't mean you despise who you are. That doesn't mean you belittle who you are. But your attitude should be, those in your life are above you. They're better than you. You put them above yourself. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3, this portion of Scripture really sums up the mind of Christ, the attitude that he walked in. And it encourages us here in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is the mind of Christ that he referred to. Instead, think of what Jesus did. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Jesus knew who he was. He was the son of God. He knew what he was called to do, to redeem humanity back to God. But he didn't cling on to his sonship. He didn't cling on to his divine privileges. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death. Jesus made the decision to gird himself with a towel. He made a decision to become a servant above all else. And he postured himself to serve the needs that were around his life. Amen. When Jesus girded himself with the towel, John makes a revealing statement about Jesus back in that portion of scripture we read during the Last Supper. John said about Jesus, he knew where he came from and where he was going. That means that Jesus was very secure in his identity and in his destiny. He knew where he came from. He was from God, and he knew where he was going. He knew the plan of God. He knew he would experience a death and a burial, but he also knew that resurrection was coming as well. Hallelujah. He was absolutely secure in his identity and in his destiny. And so when the scripture says better than yourself, it does not mean you have low self-esteem, but what it implies is that you are secure in who you are. And remember, it's the secure ones. A secure husband makes a great husband. It's a good opportunity to say amen, guys. 
A secure wife makes a great wife who gives the best of counsel to her husband. Secure people make the best servants because they are able to continually give of themselves with an attitude and a spirit of excellence. Amen. Number three, and this really speaks of uh, the, the hope that comes when we live a life of humility. When you choose to live a life of service to God, to your family, to your church, to your community, listen, honor and influence will follow you. That's exactly what happened in Jesus' life. When he made himself a servant to all, when he radically obeyed God and went to the cross. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father, because of Jesus' servant heart, elevated him to the highest place of authority. Would you agree that Jesus was the greatest servant of all time? Absolutely. And he has been bestowed the greatest position of honor in the universe. And not only that, He continues to be the most influential man of all time because he made himself a servant to all. Proverbs 15.33 says, Before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. You want honor in your life? You want true significance in your life? Make yourself a servant. Embrace the attitude that Christ had. Walk in the humility that Christ walked in. I like to put it this way. Humility is the undergarment of a true servant of God. I trust you all have your undergarments on. We wear undergarments that nobody sees. But you know, God sees it. And God sees the heart. And God rewards those who walk in humility with honor and influence. So let's take a look at what does a servant's heart look like? Is there an example we could find in the New Testament? You bet. Probably the best example of a servant's heart can be found in the lives of the Apostle Paul and his spiritual son, Timothy. So let's take a look at Paul and Timothy. Paul makes comments about his spiritual son, Timothy, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. And in this portion of scripture, we find some key qualities to what it means to be a servant. Verse 20, Paul said, I have no one else like Timothy who generally cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. Here in this portion of scripture, we find four key things that will define what a true servant of God looks like. Number one, you want to be a servant servant of God? You want to have a servant's heart? Number one, be sensitive to the needs of others. Be thoughtful, be considerate to those around in your life. Everybody has needs, and God may call on you to meet a need in that person's life. Number two, 
care for what matters to Jesus Christ. Paul said, many don't care, but Timothy, he cared. He adopted the interests of Jesus Christ. Think about this. Jesus came and he planted his life as a seed. He said, except a corn of wheat die, it, it remains alone. But if it be planted, it yields tremendous increase. And what was he referring to? He's talking about his interest in planting his life as a seed that he might reap a harvest. And I'm looking today at the harvest that Jesus planted for. You and I represent the harvest. You know what's at the core heart of, of, of God? You know what's at the core heart of Jesus Christ? It's people. It's people, people, people. That's the most important thing in our lives is relationships, not accomplishments, not things we accrue or possess, not things that uh, great experiences we might enjoy in life, but it's what's happening in our relationships. Number three, just like Timothy, he proved himself. If you want a servant's heart, you're going to have to have a season where you prove yourself faithful, reliable, trustworthy. Be an asset to the ministry. Now, this begins at home. All of us have a ministry, a ministry in our family, in our marriage, in our workplace, here at International Family Church. You have to prove yourself as faithful, as reliable, as trustworthy, being a person of your word, following through on your commitments. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor Tom. And probably number four, one of the most important attributes of a servant's heart. Timothy had a father-son relationship with Paul. He had a mentor in his life. He had a spiritual leader, a pastor in his life. Submit yourself to your pastor's heart. Oh, that's so key and so powerful. And that's what took place in Timothy's life. He had a, an encounter with Jesus Christ. His grandma knew the Lord. And, and when Paul saw his life, he took him under his wing. And Paul began to pour his life into Timothy. He developed a relationship, a father-son relationship. You know, back in Roman times when this was written, you know, most sons learned to trade through their fathers. And their fathers groomed and developed the character of their sons so that they could succeed in life. And here... Timothy doesn't seem like he had an actual father, but Paul saw him. He saw the potential in Timothy's life. And so he, he took him under his wing, and he poured his life into Timothy. Amen. And here's a powerful truth. The secret to serving with excellence is having a mentor in your life. Paul poured his life into Timothy, and he called him a son in the faith. 1 Timothy 1.12, I am writing to you, Timothy, my true son in the faith. 1 Timothy 1.18, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. 2 Timothy 2.1, Timothy, my dear son, be strong. Obviously, we can see from the letters of Paul that Paul and Timothy had a real tight, intimate bond, a father-son relationship. Paul, when writing to the churches, would always refer to himself as a servant first. Romans 1.1, Paul said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.23, Paul said, I'm a servant of the gospel. Philippians 2.25, Paul said, I'm a servant of the churches. He oversaw many churches, but he didn't deem himself. He didn't go around, I'm prophet so-and-so, I'm apostle so-and-so. He didn't flaunt that. What he flaunted was the fact that he was a servant. Amen. We can see Paul's example 
of a servant's heart. At the close of his ministry, he's ha- he has a leadership, confidence with, a leadership conference with the elders of Ephesus. And he's sharing his heart as he knows that his departure is coming. In Acts chapter 20, verse 19, he recounts his life before the elders. He says, guys, look, at this is my life that I've lived out before you. I've been a model to you. You've seen my life. You've seen my manner of life. And he says here, he's summing up his life here in verse 19 and 20. And Paul says to the Ephesian elders, I've been serving the Lord with all what? With all what? Humility. Paul said, I've served the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials which befell me through the persecution that he received from Jewish leaders. Verse 20, he said, I did not keep from declaring what was beneficial to you, teaching you publicly and from house to house. In other words, what Paul is saying here, I gave you my everything, everything that God entrusted me. I poured it out to you. I didn't keep anything back. Whatever it took, I gave you my all. Listen, that's the heart of a servant. A heart of a servant says, I'll do whatever it takes to fulfill the assignment that God has placed on my life. And listen, we all have assignments from God. We all have assignments from God, assignments for our family, for our church, and for our community. And do you have a servant's heart? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Paul poured himself out. He didn't hold anything back. He served the church well. And as a result, he was honored and is still honored today. And he had great influence for the kingdom of God. Literally, he was one man who turned the world upside down in his day. Jesus, uh, excuse me, Paul also shared his heart with the Thessalonian church. We see here him describing his heart towards the Thessalonian believers. He said, but we were gentle among you, like a nurse caring for her own children. Verse 11, as you know, we exhorted and comforted and commanded every one of you as a father does his own children. Paul cared deeply for those whom he served. He was concerned about their success, about their spiritual welfare. He wanted to launch people forward into the will of God. He had their best interests at mind. He was a servant of God. He had a servant's heart because he cared for people. Listen, I'm not just describing the apostle Paul and Timothy. I'm describing our pastors. I'm describing Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Verna. I'm describing Pastor Josh and Pastor Stephanie. I'm describing our staff, our elders, our dream team leaders. I'm describing our life group leaders. I'm I'm describing our dream teams, all of you that faithfully serve. You have a servant's heart. And why is that? If you'll think this through, it's because God brought you to this place and he made a connection between your heart and your pastor's heart. At some point, you made a decision to open up your heart and allow pastor to nourish you like a nurse does her children or like a fa- and to admonish you like a father does his sons. Amen. When you open up your heart to a mentor in your life, you position yourself to receive the qualities that Jesus had. Humility, a servant's heart. Amen. Paul made, the sa- made an appeal to the Corinthian church. Paul said, you have many instructors, but only one father. And Paul said to the Corinthian church, I have become 
a father to you. Let's look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, for if you were to have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. In Christ Jesus, I have become a father to you through the gospel. I implore you, be followers of me. Therefore, I have sent Timothy to you. He is my beloved son and is a faithful and is faithful in the Lord. Paul makes an appeal to the Corinthian church. Not everybody has embraced a servant's heart. I want to make the same appeal to you, International Family Church, no matter where you are. Be a son of this house. Be a daughter of this house. Make sure your connection with the heart of your pastor is solid. Don't let anything interfere with that. Don't let any, in, uh, any uh, attitude or offense creep in and get you disillusioned with your local church. You know, the devil works very hard at that. He tries to creep in with situations and circumstance in your life. He tries to have misunderstandings, maybe with someone you're serving with on a team. The devil would love to divide and conquer. You keep that connection with your pastor's heart real solid because there you'll find affirmation. You'll find encouragement. You'll find he'll lift you up. You'll find that he'll admonish you. He'll set boundaries in your life. He'll make the way clear and straight for you. That's what happened in my life. I share my own story. You know, I love listening to the stories of people who've come to International Family Church and, you know, they, they, they come to the, for the first time and I'll always ask, you know, how did you find out about us? Tell me about your story. And it's amazing to see the stories in people's lives, how they found International Family Church. I believe the Holy Spirit orchestrates all that because God wants to set each person believer in a local church where they can be fed and nurtured and grown and become a servant. And so my story was, was, was no different. Back in 1980, I got born again and, and was going from church to church and, and, and was searching. I was in a place of really searching for the will of God for my life, for the plan of God for my life. You know, I was young. I was 20 years old. My whole future was in front of me, and I wanted to know, God, what is my purpose? What is your plan for my life? And so one day I was watching Kenneth Copeland Ministries and they talked about this worldwide communion service that was taking place and so just so happened that they had a satellite service in Boston, Massachusetts at the Heinz Auditorium. Well, I went to the Heinz Auditorium and participated in that uh, worldwide communion service. Some of you may know of that service that was many years ago. And at the back of the service, there were book tables and I saw all these wonderful books. But during that time, you know, I was watching Kenneth Copeland on TV and Fred Price on TV. You know, I'd go to different churches and get all beat up by the teaching of the word. And then I'd go back home and turn on the TV and get built up by Kenneth Copeland and built up by Fred Price. So you know what I'm talking about? Some of you do, some of you don't. And there at the back of the auditorium, there was a bookstore. And I saw all these wonderful books. I saw this book, Redeemed from Poverty, Sickness, and death by Brother Kenneth Hagin. And so I opened up that book. And there was this little sticker still right there today, Pastor. Faith Seeds Bookstore, Faith Fellowship Ministries, using the facilities of 380 Concord Ave, Belmont, Massachusetts. Pastor Jonathan and Berna Del Turco, 497-5. And so I made a call. It says, do you preach like Kenneth Copeland? Do you teach like Fred Price? Is this the place for me? And sure enough, you know, I showed up one Wednesday night. They were in the basement chapel of the Armenian uh, church in, 
in Concord, in Belmont, Massachusetts. And, and I, when I heard Pastor preach for the very first time, he was, you were preaching on the, the armor of God, the full armor of God. Still remember the, 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 the brown colored case with all the cassette tapes. Anybody remember cassette tapes? Probably don't, huh? And there I found home. There all of a sudden I saw, this is my man of God. This is my pastor. This is my mentor. This is my spiritual father. I know this is destiny for me. And when I set myself in that position, I began to be affirmed. Listen, no one can affirm people like Pastor Jonathan. No one can put faith in people like Pastor Jonathan. That's what, that was my personal experience. I was looking for affirmation. I was looking for direction. And there I found it right there at Faith Fellowship Ministries in Belmont, Massachusetts, there at 380 Concord Ave. Hallelujah. And so I began to take another step. I began to serve. I would get there early on the midweek service. Lynn would be setting up the book table. I would help set up the book table. There would be prayer time. Pastor would be on his knees in the front pew. I'd join him on the front pew, and we'd pray in the Holy Ghost. I would serve as an usher. I would serve the tape. You know, when we had the, the tape recording ministry, we had a tape deck in the front. We'd have to, you know, when Pastor would preach, we'd have to press the button, pull the tape out, switch it around, and press the button back in without missing a word. And, you know, that was very difficult because pastor was a fast preacher. He would preach hard and fast. So it was important to me. I'd sweat bullets on that front row, make sure I get that right. Hello, somebody. I remember serving as an usher during those days under Frank Misa. Frank Misa was the head usher. Remember, we'd catch people in line, and, and God was so neat. He, he, he showed me how to be, hear his voice and be led by the Holy Spirit. He would point out, this person's going to fall. I'd walk over there and catch him. They'd fall. It was a wonderful time for me. And then I remember we went from the, the church in Belmont, we went over to the old mystic school on Main Street in Winchester. And boy, that building needed to be cleaned up. We were going to start Victory Bible Training Center. We were going to start uh, Agape Christian Academy. And so we had to renovate and clean the building. And they had halls and bathrooms and floors and classrooms. And so I found myself buffing, stripping, not that kind of stripping, you know, stripping floors, <laughs> waxing floors. Hello, somebody. Did whatever was necessary. Now, please understand, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back in front of you. I just want to give you a real-life example that when I connected my heart with my pastor, I got into a place of service, and I learned how to serve. I proved myself faithful, reliable, and trustworthy. Are you with me? And so we went from... The Mystic School building over to the Winchester High School, setting up and breaking down. We went from there to the BB Junior High School, and we renovated that. And, oh, my goodness, more floors to strip and wax and bathrooms to clean. Amen. And then we went back to Winchester again. We found an old factory building. And, again, more stuff to clean and to take care of. And you know what? In that journey, I met so many new people great people. I got a, a, a hooked up my caboose with Pastor Earl Darlington. He was a great source of comfort and encouragement and counsel to me in that season of my life. When you get on that path of serving, God will add to your life. He will add relationships to your life. You know, it's one thing to go to a bar. Who do you think is going to be hanging around a bar? 
But if you get involved in a church where other people who love Jesus like you love Jesus are endeavoring to find the plan and purpose of, of God, how many know that God will sink you together? He'll give you some iron sharpening iron relationships. You'll become a better person. You'll find long-lasting friendships. And so that's been my story. And I believe as a result of that, God has granted me a position of honor and of influence where I help more people today than I've ever dreamed possible. Thank God for that opportunity we all have presented before us. I want to appeal to you, become, if you haven't already, become a son and a daughter of this house. Anyone who truly makes a difference in the kingdom of God has a spiritual mentor in their life. Open your heart to your pastors. Open your heart to your leaders. Follow us as we follow Jesus Christ. Pick up the towel. Gird yourself and say, how can I serve? How can I meet a need? How can I be a blessing? That's God's will for each and every one of us. Can you say amen? amen. And so we're bringing a closing scripture here. This is really a defining scripture for a servant's heart. It's what Paul said about his life in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself servant to all that I might win even more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21, to those who are outside of the law, speaking of Gentiles, as outside of the law, that I might win those who are outside of the law. Verse 22, and to the weak, I become as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. That was the heart of the apostle Paul. He became whatever others in his life needed him to become for them. He added value into the lives of those he touched. He found a need and he met it. And the most important need in a person's life is the spiritual need of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what secures eternity. That's what seals the deal for a person's life. And you know, when it comes to evangelism, it's not about placards. It's not about, uh, you know, pamphlets or booklets. It's about you adding value to someone else. It's about you coming alongside someone and becoming a true friend, someone who encourages, someone who prays, someone who builds up, someone who steps in at a moment of crisis. Everyone needs a friend to believe in. Everyone needs a friend that can show up in a difficult time. And here's a great way to win people over to the love of Jesus Christ. You gird yourself with a towel. Those that you know in your work, your peers, your employees, your employers, those that you work with, those in your community, you gird yourself with that towel and you take upon yourself the attitude that Jesus had. Above all else, I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to look for needs. I'm going to be sensitive to the needs that are around me. And when I see a need, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to, take a, I'm going to take initiative and I'm going to reach out. I'm going to give. I'm going to sow. I'm going to love. I'm going to pray. I'm going to help. I'm going to step into that person's life and be, and be a blessing to them. That's a servant's heart. And you know, it begins at home. Husbands, it begins at home. 
you being the head of the home, you're called to serve. You're the spiritual leader of your home. You're called to bring your family to church. You're called to lead in prayer. You're called to disciple your children in the word of God. Wives, it begins at home. You're called to uplift your husband. You're called to give him counsel. You're called to give him perspective. You're called to pray for the vision that God placed on his life. Parents, be sensitive to the needs of your children. One thing about parenting, you just need to be a good observer. Just observe and watch the gift that God placed in your life. And be there to nurture them, to lead them, teach them responsibility, bring them through the different seasons of life. How do you do that? You be a servant to your children. It starts at home, and it happens here at IFC. I'm looking at a group of people that are gifted. You are gifted. You are graced. There's something unique and powerful about your life. God placed something in you that he wants you to pour out. And you might be saying, well, I don't know what those gifts are. Start serving, and it'll start happening. You'll start seeing the grace. You'll start seeing the gifts rise up, rise up in your life, and you'll find great contentment and joy and serving. Hallelujah. Above all else, Paul was a servant. And that's the attitude we need to adopt. Be like Jesus. Be like Paul. Be like Timothy. Let's again take a look at our takeaway for this morning's message. A servant's heart is a choice you make and a posture you take in all of the relationships God brings into your life. The motto of a disciple is Come on, say it with me. Above all else, I am a servant. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the example that he gave to us. Lord, we would not be here if you did not serve. Thank you for laying your life down for us. Thank you for investing your life in us. Lord, we choose right now to gird ourselves with this towel. No matter what it is, nothing is too little. We gird ourselves with humility, with a servant's heart, to serve our family, our spouse, our children, to serve our church, our pastors, our leaders, to serve our community, our world around us with the gospel. Make that decision today if you haven't already. And if you have, just reseal it today in the name of Jesus. I want to extend an opportunity for you that are watching today and perhaps you that are here today, here in the sanctuary or upstairs in our cafe. Jesus, the greatest servant of all, walked up the hill, Golgotha's skull. He was carried up that hill on a cross. That cross was dropped in a hole. And there he was from 9 to 3 a.m. Dying for the sins of the world. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. He's calling you into a relationship. You can have a father-son relationship with God. He can come into your life and he can groom your life with purpose, with significance with a bright future, with an optimistic future. You take the step today. I'm going to pray a simple prayer to make Jesus Christ 
the Lord of your life. And if you never prayed to accept Jesus Christ as Lord in your life, just follow me in prayer. Pray these words with me. If you're here today and you've never prayed to accept Jesus Christ in your own heart and in your own life, and you say, Pastor Tom, I want to pray that prayer with you, and you've never prayed it before, just raise your hand. I want to see who you are. I will agree with you in prayer today. Anybody at all, just raise your hand. Hallelujah. God knows who's here. Let's pray this prayer together. Yes, I see that hand. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just raise your hand so I can see it. I want to agree with you in prayer. Yes, sir. I see it. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray this prayer together. God in heaven, I believe that you sent Jesus, the greatest servant of them all, to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I call you Lord. Come into my life. I surrender all to you. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.